Scarce any problem will appear more hard and difficult than that of determining the distance of the sun from the earth very near the truth, but even this will, without much labor, be effected. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in England, Matthew Russell and Chris Carney. Edmund Halley. Some people say Halley. Some people say Haley. Well, how do you say it? Do you say Haley's Comet or Halley's Comet? I say Halley's Comet. I. When's the last time I said it? It's been a while since I said it, but I mm. think, I'm, yeah, I, th- I, I do like a, a shift cycle combination of the two. How it depends how I feel. Hmm. Well, but it's impossible Halley's- to know because nobody's alive from when mm. he was alive, so no one knows how he how he pronounced it. But people do still have the surname Halley or Haley, mm. don't they? But yeah, but yeah, there was story. there was there was no no one no one knew how to spell then. So they Edmund Haley himself used to spell his name in different ways. So you can never really tell. Can I throw something into the into the mix here? How about mm-hmm. Hawley, Hawley as well. Yeah, because it could be Hawley. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be all sorts of things, couldn't it? Really. But anyway, he was born on this day, eighth of November. 1656. Ages ago. It's really interesting. Do you know what? I, I hadn't actually realised just how interesting Halley's Comet, just because he was good a, a good astronomer, but he was yeah. way more than that. He was way more than that. Definitely is he a space legend of the week. He is definitely space legend of the week. I'm going to go with Halley as, as space legend of the week. Week, 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 week. Brilliant. He was the second astronomer royal which is, uh, I believe, held by Martin Rees at the moment, Hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But the first one being John Flamsteed in 1720, and they knew each other. So Halley actually was influenced by Flamsteed's project of cataloguing all the stars in the Northern Hemisphere, which is pretty cool. It's quite the task. It's quite the task. So Halley, while he was at school, thought, well, I I could do them all in the Southern Hemisphere. So he actually yeah. w- went to King Charles II, who basically said, yes, that sounds like a splendid idea. <laughs> or, 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 yes, it's, it sounds like a splendid idea. You don't <laughs> think that you could go down there? Yes, yes. Where, when yes. will I be king? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so he basically gave him the money and they he went off to some St. Helena, which is West Africa. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he went there and observed quite a few things, including building this celestial catalogue. But he he saw the transit of Mercury, which, as I've said on a previous podcast, isn't the van that Queen used to go round in on early tours. This was also (laughs) the transit of Mercury. It it, (laughs) It was when the planet transit... The planet Mercury goes across the disk of the sun. And so he saw one of those and then suddenly realised that you could use Venus the same thing. Well, you could use the transit of Mercury, but even better if you could use Venus to if you got if you if you looked at the transit of Venus from two Venus from two different places on Earth, yeah. you could determine how far it was to Venus and how far it was to the Sun using just simple trigonometry. What a genius. But can I just, yeah. just step in there? The transit of Venus is not to be mistaken for the tour bus of Banana Rama. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, Chris. 
That was a. I, I feel as though that was a cover version of my joke. It was very good. Well, the, the, the <laughs> Venus was a cover version of the Shocking Blue. So you know, mm. there you but go. When he got when he got back from this monumental trip, uh, he King Charles II insisted that Oxford University gave him a master's degree, which uh, is pretty good. Yeah, he comes across as all right. This King Charles II. Yeah, he's all right. He's, he's, yes, you give this boy a, a master's. And, uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, but he went. He went and visited Isaac Newton as well. Uh, that's what I love about people like this is that yeah. they knew people like Isaac Newton. And so he went to he went over to to visit Isaac Newton because he wanted to talk about the orbit of the comet Kirch, hmm. uh, and. Isaac Newton said, oh, yeah, no, I solved that ages ago. I've got this. Uh, and he goes, oh, can I see the proof? And he goes, oh, I don't know where it is. And he'd lost it. Oh. Uh, and then he goes, but don't worry, I'll work it out again. I'll give it to you. So he, he sends it over to um, Hayley. Uh, but he calls it he calls it some he calls it some ridiculous tristice on the motion of bodies in orbit or something like that. Yeah. But Hayley goes, well, this is re- you do realise how important this work is, don't you? This is absolutely insane. So Newton went, okay, wrote it up properly, called it Principia, and it's arguably the most uh, influential book of all time uh, when it comes to science. And, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. And, 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 and Haley actually paid for it. No, he so, did you know, not. That yeah, is incredible. So, yeah, yeah, so Haley, you know, is very much to blame for the rise of Newton. Haley also had a conversation with Cassini. Oh, like you do, like you do. And Cassini said, uh, "Yes, I, I think the, I think the comet is in orbit around the sun." And with this bit of information that Newton had given him, yeah. Haley was able to work out um, when Haley's comet, which was obviously wasn't called Haley's comet at that time, mm. would come back and revisit the Earth, what dates it would come back. And, mm. of course, he, it did come back on those dates, but, unfortunately, Haley did not live to see it because it was 1758, a long time after yeah. Haley had died. But, of course, at that point, everyone went, oh, my God, it is back in 1758, so it became known as Haley's Comet. Incredible. I mean, that is just, what a legacy as well. It just goes on mm. and on. And, you know, we've been lucky enough to be alive when it when it went over, I think I was about eight or something. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Not but not only that, he he was drawing symbols on maps to represent trade winds and monsoons, and those symbols are used even now on modern day weather reports. Incredible. Uh, he was the first person to um, sort of say, "Well, solar heating is probably the cause of atmospheric, you know, wobble and motion." Uh, mm. He also was the person that first person that said, "Oh, barometric pressure probably has something to do with your height above sea level." It's like what? These are like like <laughs> amazing <laughs> observations. It's absolutely brilliant, absolutely and, amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and he was the first person to have a working model of a magnetic compass that's in a liquid-filled housing. You know, like a modern compass. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he was. You know, that was seemed to be his thing as going around the world measuring magnetic fields. But he massively fell out with Newton and Flamsteed because he doubted the Earth's age as given by the Bible, which hmm. basically meant he lost out on loads of positions of note because, of course, we were a very religious country then. Of course. Um, 
he also sort of the Royal Society didn't like him very much because he suggested that Noah's flood might have been caused by a comet, a, a comet <laughs> hitting the Earth as well. So <laughs> even though that's not particularly, you know, necessarily true. Mm. It's you know it's it's thinking you know Haley was obviously way ahead of his time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, questioning the Bible is definitely yeah. forward thinking. But but time. you know, with ideas that are accepted in modern times as you know at least feasible. Mm. Yeah, and and he also kind of tried to work out why the Earth has weird magnetic fields, and he's first person to suggest that the aurora borealis had something to do with particles that were being affected by those magnetic fields. Yeah, and at the time, they were like the people of the North were just like, no, it is the gods, they are angry with us. Mm. Oh, no, exactly. And he he worked in other fields, like he did some statistical stuff, which um, still is used by the government now to uh, <laughs> to work out people's state pensions. Wow. <laughs> but my fa- but my favorite thing is Peter the Great, the great Russian czar. Yeah. Quite liked to come to England. He, in fact, didn't Peter the Great spend a lot of time in Liverpool? I don't know. I'll have to look into that. I have to I, I know I Hitler he, did. Well, yeah, I went to art school apparently yeah (laughs) i don't believe there's a lot of doubt about the hitler arts i know he applied to liverpool art school i think the art schools may be doubtful but he definitely had family here on stanhope street about about 500 meters away from where i live actually yeah well i think i think his brother went to liverpool art school and he wanted to go but couldn't get in and then became the world's worst because it's, it's all thanks to liverpool the second yeah. world war but any it no, peter the great <laughs> i think he went to liverpool but he was over visiting england again and yeah. wanted to hang out with newton because newton was really famous at this point yeah and he wanted to hang out with newton but newton went ah no i'm too busy Haley, can you go over in in my place and and Haley went over and they got absolutely smashed on yeah. science and brandy what a combination and, and got arrested because Haley was um pushing uh, Peter the Great around in a wheelbarrow in Deptford. <laughs> that is amazing. The, yeah. uh, the, uh, the, the sort of 17th century equivalent of the shopping trolley. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ludicrous, isn't it? It is. It's exactly what that is. That is such uh, a great story. I love it. The Tsar of Russia <laughs> being pushed around in a wheelbarrow by Edmund Halley. I've seen it, I've heard it all now. That is absolutely amazing. Alcohol, yeah, it's, it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, amongst other things, he was the first person to ever take a ship out on a fully scientific voyage and things like that. So, yeah. Haley, he definitely deserves to be Space Legend of the Week. Week, week, Happy, week, 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 week. Happy birthday, Edmund. Happy birthday, mate. Have a good one. As his particles are returned to the cosmos. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, this this week that's just gone, there yeah. was the ten. There's been the U.S. astronomy ten year plan, the Astro twenty twenty, released on fourth of November. Yeah, exciting stuff. It is actually quite exciting stuff because, you know, this this happens every ten years ish. This is quite quite ambitious. This one, it looks really really good. So it's funded by NASA the National Science Foundation, the U.S. Department of Energy, the U.S. Air Force, um, the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine. You know, so they, they, they all set out to sort of say, as astronomers, 
Mm. What do we want to do? What do we, what do we actually want to go out and look at? Yeah. And it starts it starts off with this really encouraging kind of thing that's like we live in extraordinary period of discovery in astronomy and astrophysics. Six Nobel prizes have been awarded over the past decade alone for discoveries based on astronomical data. Dark energy, gravitational waves, neutrinos, discovery of exoplanets, cosmology, supermassive black holes to name them. Yeah. So that's that's pretty wow. cool, isn't it? And it, and it's yeah. like many of the ambitious scientific visions of the 2010 New Year, New World's New Horizons decadal survey, so that was the last one, have mm. been fulfilled or are being fulfilled and the momentum has only grown. We stand on the threshold They've, they're sort of nodding to your festival there, Chris. I know, yeah. Of just new a little bit endeavors. Of a, a little plug. <laughs> that, will, that will transform not only our understanding of the universe and the processes and physical paradigms that govern it, but also humanity's place in it. Wonderful. Really good so stuff. It's, it, it is really good stuff. It's actually a really good read because it makes you realize that these are the things in the next 10 years that we really want to know about. Yeah. And I guess that you know that will be the next ten years of this podcast talking about some of these themes. So do, well, you, do you want to see. know what? The, let's re, yes. let's revisit in ten years and say, you know, ten years yeah, ago this, we we said this. Has it all come true? Well, I mean, a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, they won't have even built oh. in ten years' time. It's sort of it's like we need to get started on these monumental projects now. Yeah, because it's going to take that long. But it's based around three broad themes, and these three broad themes are worlds and suns in context, mm. which is obviously all about exoplanets and their observations, yeah, uh, and and trying to find habitable planets, exoplanets, essentially worlds and suns in context. That's one of the themes. Right. Another of the themes, and we've talked about this a lot, is new messengers and new physics. In other words. All those new ways, you know, we used to look into space and try and see light and and work out what the hell was going on in the universe. But now we've got things like gravitational waves and particles and stuff like that to look at. And so we're now probing into dark matter, dark energy and cosmological inflation. So That's such an important thing, isn't it? I mean, the dark matter and dark energy thing is just so essential. Yeah, it's right. like, well, we don't know what they are. It's like it's yeah. really embarrassing that, that yeah. 90% of the universe, we have no idea what it is. Um, and, yeah, so that's what it's all about. It's like saying we've got these new ways, these new messengers, these new ways of looking at the at the new physics. Uh, so let's, let's concentrate on that theme. Hmm. And we've also got cosmic ecosystems. So that's going to link the observations of you know, modeling all the stars, galaxies, and all the gas that's in between, and all these massive energetic processes like black holes and stuff like that, mm. and try to couple all of that together to work out the formation of how the cosmos interacts with its itself and how it evolved and and where it will end up. Mm. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? So that cool. gives the con that gives the context of how they're trying to sort of work out you know where they're going to spend this insane i mean when i say insane amounts of money we it is insane amounts of money that they're they're <laughs> proposing to spend here yeah um and so yeah it, it, it's they've got these kind of little pathways within inside these with inside these themes that's a sort of priority areas that they want to um explore one of them being pathways to habitable worlds 
Mm. So, you know, very, really, very really trying to find out if there's life on other planets or planets that we could go and live on. Yeah. Which is, you know, that seems amazing that that's like, it seems so sci-fi, doesn't it? It seems so far away, but it's like, that's that's what they're calling a priority. Yeah, definitely. And need, we just need to know what that closest one is because then we go, right, that's the distance we need to travel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is the speed we need to go. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, no, it's... Yeah, and and then then the other this other kind of pathways, new windows on the dynamic universe. So this is all about this idea of time resolved, multi wavelength electromagnetic observation. So you're trying to work out how the universe is moving, and and trying to work out what's happening with black holes and neutron stars, and so you can fast forward and fast rewind to mm. the earliest moments of the universe. Yeah, uh, and try you know so it's it's trying to use those new messengers I guess and new physics to try and rewind the universe and look at it, look at this dynamic universe and how it all kind of um, happened. And then this other this other priority is the unveiling of the drivers of galaxy growth. So how did the how did the galaxies form basically? How did yeah. how, did, how did it all happen? Um, and the up it, the upshot of this is that they they kind of. Back about 20 years ago or 30 years ago when Hubble and all that lot, there was a thing called the Great Observatories. Yeah. And um, there were four massive space telescopes that were were built um, because of another decadal uh, review. Yeah. And that was, of course, Hubble was one of them. And uh, Chandra was another one. Compton was another one. And Spitzer. So they built these four great observatories. Yeah. Um and you know that that happened in 1990. So that it was like that's when NASA said, right, let's let's build these great observatories. It, they're asking for a similar sort of thing this this time round. So they want to build three enormous um space observatories. Um the the first one is going to be a bit like Hubble, but it's yeah. going to be twice twice as big, twice the width of Hubble's main mirror. Right. Uh, wow. And it's going to be it's going to be similar and it and they want it to cost about 11 billion. Ooh. Uh, well, yeah. And, keep the keep and the they budget want it down. to launch. Yeah, and they want it to launch in the 2040s. So it makes you realize, you know, that they're, they're talking 20 years in advance here. Yeah. Of getting the, this of getting this like new great observatory up. And once yeah. they've got this one up, they want two more. The one that measures in x-rays and one that measures in the far infrared radiation. And they should be about 5 billion each. So they they want to spend a lot of money on these um, on these big big ticket great observatories in space. Fantastic! And where does James Webb fit into all stuff? Well, so what, well, the way that James Webb fits into this really is a little bit of a warning shot because James Webb was was the thing that was recommended in the two thousand decadal survey. And it's only just about to launch, and it's massively, massively over budget, of course. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the Nancy Grace Roman Space Telescope was in the 2010 decadal survey, and that's hugely over budget as well. And, you know, so it's, it's like w- one of the things in the report is how do we stop that kind of massive overspend, which, I, you know, 
I guess is a, a bit of a <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing but I think what they one of the things that sort of comes out is that they will probably concentrate on technology development before the project development itself it right. seems yeah it's it's an interesting read because they kind of me- they mention that and, and the kind of lessons learned from the, the overruns of James Webb and Nancy Roman so do you think yeah, maybe they could have a word with the guys at HS2 <laughs> Well, it's 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 just typical, isn't it, of big projects? I remember one of the things. I don't know whether we we did we ever teach we taught event management together, didn't we? And we talked yeah, about we did yeah project project slip and stuff like that. And one of those kind of interesting things is when you try and sort of say, oh, how long will this take?" You estimate an average, but of course, on average, more times than not, something takes longer than average, yeah. or half the time it takes longer than average. And so, and so, projects always <laughs> take longer than you thought because <laughs> you have all these dependencies. So. Well, look at it this yeah. way. I mean, especially with events, with, with events, your deadlines are usually based around the actual event, which does yeah. help. So you can't really move the dates once you've started. But things like mm. you know, marketing deadlines need to be in there. You need to make sure these you hit these because you don't hit them, then you don't sell your tickets and blah blah blah. But well, one thing I will say, it's very rare that on any kind of project manager you go, we finished early. <laughs> <laughs> we finished early and we're under budget. <laughs> it's, it just it's weird, isn't it? No, it is weird, but there's the odd thing where that does seem to happen, but definitely not with James Webb. You know, it's obviously no. they had some massive problems on the way. Um, but going sort of back... Um, so you've got three flagship space observatories uh, yeah. that they want they, they want to build. They've they've realised that this you know that's a massive massive thing that they want to basically saying this is what we recommend if we want to do the things that we're talking about. We want to follow these themes if we want to find these exoplanets if we want to find our place in the universe. Yeah, that's one thing they're saying. But they're also saying that the US has to sort of catch up with Europe when it comes to ground based telescopes as well. Right. So the Europeans are obviously building their massive telescope, the very I think it's the very large telescope, isn't it? The um, yeah, very large. Oh no, no, the extremely large telescope. Extremely yeah, large. Ex- yeah, yeah. Uh, very uh, large is just yeah, tiny yeah, now compared yeah, to Yeah, yeah, the VLT is just yeah, that's already done. The extremely yeah. large telescope in Chile by Europe and and that's that will probably be finished in 2028. Yeah. Um but uh, the Americans are trying to build the giant Magellan telescope and the 30-meter telescope, which are kind of the um, um, their equivalents. Um, the 30-meter telescope. They're, they're not going big on imagination, are they, with <laughs> these names? <laughs> the 30-meter telescope. Well, it's the TMT that's the one that's has had all sorts of issues because of indigenous people in Hawaii okay. and, the, and, and uh, Mauna Kea and, and them saying you can't just build this massive thing up here and it's been blocked uh and you've and you've got different sites but it is it's, they're finding it very hard to get the planning permission to get one of these things and of course the giant magellan telescope and 30 mm telescope are kind of rivals mm. but what they're suggesting in this report is it's like come on we need to team up because those two telescopes together um are would actually cover such an enormous area of the of, of the sky, Incredible. both the northern and the southern hemisphere. Is in other words, the whole lot. Yeah, 
which the Europeans can't do. So they're talking about, you know, how, how do we, you know, get ahead of the Europeans here? Um, and so they're, they're, they're basically proposing that uh, they get involved and actually add some funding in and try and get this done. Right. But, so do yeah, you think but, they'll work together? Yeah, well, well, hopefully. I mean, hopefully that, that they'll they'll get some they'll get they'll put the money in and they, these things will get built. But it's it you know it's hard to hard to kind of under it hard to overestimate or hard to oversell just how what these giant telescopes will do for astronomy. Yeah, but mm. you know they'll be able, <laughs> they'll be able to do things that are just simply not possible in any other way. Mm. So yeah. Uh, yeah, you know this is it's 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 big. It's big. Um, it's giant. Yeah. It, but it's it's like w- one of the things, I love this quote in there, that it's like one of the things that they're trying to sort out is is, is life, life out there in the universe. Life mm. on Earth may be the result of common processes or it may require such an unusual set of circumstances that we're the only living beings within our part of the galaxy or even the universe. Either answer is profound the coming decades will set humanity down a path to determine whether we are alone. Oh, so, you know, that's like, you know, so this is, it's, you know, we're really honing in on that question. It's like, we, let's just get this question done. It are is we the alone big the question. Room? That's it. That's, that's, that's the, it's the it only really question. Is, <laughs> I mean, we got to admit that, I mean, that's a very exciting time to be alive where they're yeah. really taking it very, very seriously that we yeah. actually are on the edge of being able to, to, to answer that question. Are mm. we alone in the universe? You know, it's like there's been no other human alive in our, you know, in the history of mankind, not even Edmund Haley or Isaac Newton, are coming close to answering that question. And, yeah, and yet here we, here we yeah. stand on the precipice of it, Chris. It's a great Isn't privilege. It's a great privilege. Mm. Without a doubt. And the other, the other thing that, that's worth noting about this report is that they raise the issue of systemic racism and sexism within yeah. the within the astronomy community and basically and rightly so saying that that's weakening the quality of science and it's it's obvious isn't it the more diversity you have diversity of thought equals better thought absolutely so it, yeah so it, it, you know that it's it's quite good that they've they've well more than quite good it's probably essential that they've pointed that out that that, that they need to do something about that Let's, let's hope they go about it in the right way. It's quite a complicated issue, isn't it? It's a big start, <laughs> and, and I can, I'm seeing change. Seeing change with a lot of companies and a lot of uh, organisations are, are, are doing this. So it's and it's, it's making real change as well. And yeah, mm. uh, we're only gonna all benefit from it. Yeah, as the you said, the, got- as I said, the, you know, equal rights uh, don't take away from your rights. It's not pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean the, the 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 thrust of the 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 thing is look astrophysics is done by humans mm. uh and jane rigby put it the best she said how these humans treat each other how they are led how they hold each other accountable what the policies and the systems that are that they're working in this makes so much of a difference to the quality of the science that gets done absolutely boom so you know so you know once again science leads the world in progressive thinking Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, stuff. there's a few other things in there. They they do sort of encourage these middle, um, medium projects as well, and saying we should we should get probes out there that are looking for, um, all you know, 
out there looking for x-rays and those kind of things x uh, far infrared missions that are cheap that also complement what the european space agency are doing as well so they were looking at uh, i think european agencies athena mission was one of them and they're trying to sort of match that and so saying yeah this this would be a good we, we should build the cheaper missions to complement what they're doing over there and and make sure that we we send out these probes and do all this kind of stuff and also concentrate on gravitational wave interometers and stuff like that and build Ooh. the next build the next LIGO and upgrade the LIGO and prepare for the next big LIGO. Do you think if they do the next LIGO, they'll like they'll finish it and then they'll switch it on like and literally that day they'll have, they'll detect gravitational waves like they did with LIGO. <laughs> that was the best thing, wasn't it? It was like we was like, oh yeah, just switch it on. Oh, We've had one. <laughs> there we go. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah. It could have happened well, now or in a billion years, but it happened just now as we switched it on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really love the idea of these space-based um, gravitational wave interferometers. Yeah, amazing. Elisa, yeah, the, the Europeans are sort of trying to build. I mean, that that's going to be absolutely amazing but anyway so that that is the that is the decadal review and it's i'm sure that's going to be unpicked over the next few months and and looked at and where the money's going to come from because there's an awful lot of money in there yeah yeah one sad thing that i noticed is that they wanted they were sort of saying that do you know sophia the stratospheric observatory for infrared astronomy and which is the telescope that's on a 747 i do now yeah, it's, well, it's a sort of telescope that's on a 747. Yeah, I think I've and seen that, yeah. Apparently, it's very expensive to run. Yeah. And, uh, and it hasn't had a... It, and it doesn't actually do that much science compared to, say, Hubble, which is about the same cost to run. So, wow. it's, uh, so, so it's one of those ones where it's like, you, sh- you should probably put the nail in this project now and yeah. concentrate on other things. So, you know, it's not, it's not all good news for everyone. <laughs> But there we go. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the seven four seven's getting a bit old as well, isn't it? So, yeah, do you know, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The seven four seven's still around. Yeah. Well, but there we go. But it's still there. People it's are still, still using it. Yeah, it's still going. The A three eight hundred. But anyway, poor old Boeing. They oh. need something. Yeah. Um. Uh. I thought I said that there was that. And I thought that was really interesting. And on a kind of on a related note, I noticed that the um, we a few weeks ago we had Orb Two on, which was a basically a sort of commercial version of the ISS. In other words, yeah. a space station, a way of building a space station. Now the problem is the space station looks like it's probably good till about twenty twenty eight or or twenty thirty. Yeah, but if it's really going to be decommissioned about then. We really need to start thinking about what's replacing it now in a hurry because it, it's going to take longer than five years to kind of sort that out. Yeah, definitely. So um, something that has started, there's been a lot of movement on this in the last couple of weeks and that's people have actually started to enter into this space of commercial uh, a commercial space station. And of course, the last thing that you at the, that NASA and America want is there to be a gap between right. their activities in low Earth orbit. Definitely. A bit like, I guess, the embarrassing gap of Space Shuttle to Dragon where they, they couldn't get astronauts up to the space station is bad enough. But not having a space station at all while the Chinese have one would be just too embarrassing. Yeah. Um, yeah, completely. 
so so a load of a load of big companies have just bung their hat in the ring. We knew about Axiom Space. So Axiom Space have always had this kind of space station that they want to start launching these modules up to the International Space Station to form part of the International Space Station. And they've got some major cred because Charles Bolden, for example, who's a, a former NASA administrator, is one of the companies, you know, is on board, is one of the is one of the employees of the company. So it's not like they're a clown shoes outfit or anything. <laughs> right. Um <laughs> So, you know, they, they, they want to build these modules. And as part of that, they'll have this sort of working modules on the ISS. And when the ISS is decommissioned, this thing will sort of break off and become a space station on its own. Well, that plugs the gap. And so that will plug the gap. Yeah, so you'll have this uh, new space station that's made up of a space station that was part a, a sort of commercial bit of the ISS. Hmm. So that, you know, that looks like a fairly feasible plan uh what's interesting is the inside was designed by the french architect philippe stark mm. and it's very you know very posh habitat with changing color leds and it's got fast wi-fi and video screens and picture walls and massive glass walled cupolas and things like that well that sounds great yeah, and, and they that. kind of pay they pay for this because Axiom Mission 1 is one of these Crew Dragon missions that's going to be taking people up to the ISS as commercial missions. Um, so that will, you know, ca- carrying uh, astronauts and members of the public, uh, people from investment companies and stuff like that, up to the International Space Station that that might be next the beginning the early part of next year that's going to happen so Axiom are already kind of starting to think about the money and how they get the money for the for this that's great so they're really thinking about the space as you know something where someone wealthy is going to pay to spend time there so it's not your sort of you know clumped together sort of feeling of the current iss modules Mm. which are very nice and everything but they're not really they're not really thinking about ergonomics and beauty and stuff in there so it's actually quite a cool way of thinking to go like you know let's make it a nice place to be because then we get more money (laughs) yeah exactly and of, of course they're thinking about the science they can do and maybe they can attract people who want to do 3d printing in space or or research in space and you know that's the whole idea of the international space station mm. and of course it's, it was just too expensive to have a laboratory in space where the government aren't paying for it but now they've kind of trailblazed you know how to do it hopefully the commercial sector can start taking that burden and that's why you know and and obviously this must be the case because there's suddenly lots of people have stepped into this space so next in were nano racks our friends over at nano racks which yeah. is yeah really cool company that they work on the iss a lot like launching um well doing way more than just launching um nanosats and stuff like that um but that you know they're a big space company they're they're up, up, up already up and running and they're going to collaborate with voyager space and lockheed martin voyager space i believe are the kind of venture capitalists that own nano racks right. uh, with a with a, with a boss that's like really obsessed with industrializing space he thinks that that's the next great um market i guess okay uh, and he's probably he's probably not wrong so they're they're trying to develop this a free-flying commercial space station called Star Lab. Hmm. I've heard that before. Surely there's been a Star Lab already. No, Skylabs. 
the Skylab. Star <laughs> Lab's just one better, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Star Lab. Yeah, it is a bit disappointing about the names of these things, but hey, it's Star Lab. It'll do. Yeah. Um, so NanoRacks are going to lead this project, despite the fact that Lockheed Martin are obviously seriously loads bigger. But I think it's it's down to their kind of it's down to their leadership when it comes to the, the way that they've been commercializing the ISS hmm. uh, and 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 that. And but Lockheed Martin are obviously pretty pretty good at building stuff. Yeah, they've, they've got a good track the, record. <laughs> got a very good track record at that. Um, so they so they're going to be building it. And yeah, so that that should be really interesting. And then, last but not least, uh, um, you had your old Jeff Bezos, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, <laughs> announced at the IAC in Dubai that uh, Sierra Space and Blue Origin were combining to build the Orbital Reef. Hmm. Um. So yes, that that uh, was revealed. Preliminary plans on the twenty fifth of October. That sounds Designed very nice. To... Orbital Reef. Yeah. The Orbital Reef. Yeah, that's reef. a better name, isn't it? Somehow. Is it Reef um, or Wreath? Are we thinking like a wreath that you put on a door, or a reef like a coral? Like a coral reef. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that's better, isn't it? I, I wouldn't want to be on an orbital reef. No. It sort of has a kind of death wish attached to <laughs> it. Sure, and they're only seasonal as well, you know. So I mean, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it just, it, just all sorts of negative connotations. Um, I, I suppose Christmas wreath. I don't know. I was thinking Christmas wreath. You were thinking death wreath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why. I've definitely got that in my head. So that's, that's designed for 10 people. Right. Star Lab, I think, is just designed for one or two or three people they want it to be continually hosted but up to four astronauts whereas this is up to 10 so that you're talking mm. about a big old thing and you've got blue origin who are going to be building these large diameter modules that of course can be taken up by their new glenn very large fairing launch vehicle Hmm. You've got Sierra Space who make the Dream Chaser Dream. dream <laughs> now Chaser. that's a great name. <laughs> yeah, the Dream Chaser is still my favourite name of all the um, yet-to-be-built space modules. <laughs> yeah, that's so So good. that's their little space plane that can take crew and cargo up to the International Space Station. Now the advantage, of course, it not being like a Dragon capsule is that it can land anywhere in the world. So you can get your, you can get your science back to a runway of your choice and say, right, let's get it back to this runway because that's where we're going to pick it up and do the science. Great. Very good. Um, and you might want to get your people down to a runway as well. It's quite good. Uh, so Dream Sierra Space are supplying the, um, some of the modules some and, and this means of getting to and fro. Boeing are apparently involved as well, using their Starliner crew spacecraft to get up there and providing some service modules. And there's a few other like uh, companies Redwire Space Genesis and Arizona State University also involved so it's heating up the the uh, the race to replace the race the to ISS. replace i love it the race to replace a place in space <laughs> <laughs> the race to replace our place in space place in space that is wonderful wonderful poetry is 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 heating up so that's good isn't it um uh that's it, really. I just wanted to point out Matthias Maurer, who we interviewed a few months ago, yeah. myself and Julio, one of the one of the nicest and humblest and greatest people I've ever met. 
Mm. Um, should be going to the International Space Station this week. He's been delayed because of a few issues like weather, a little bit of illness, and now they've decided to get Crew 2 back before they launch Crew crew 3. So that's happening today, I think. You should see the return of Crew 2 yeah. splashing down. And once that once they've done that, they're going to send up this crew three dragon yeah. up to the international space station so they just hold so them back they held them back while the others come back yeah there's like yeah yeah we gotta we gotta do a swap let's mm. not make it really complicated yeah let's just get that lot down and then this lot up let's just do it good job um yeah there's a few things to notice there's uh raja chari thomas marshburn of course matthias matter who are on this flight but one of the one of the seats was held back because it was supposed to be for a Russian cosmonaut, as America and Russia kept swapping seats on various launch vehicles as, you know, ways of keeping each other happy. Yeah. Uh, but Russia haven't got their act together, and so it's actually been assigned to Kayla Barron. So that's the fourth person going up on Expedition 6667. Cool. Uh, yeah. So um, they got to name the capsule as well. Uh, which is the first time I believe um, uh, that this it's I think it's the first time rookie astronauts are flying on a crew dragon that's new itself. Wow! So that okay. everything everything is new. It's all everyone hasn't been to space before, not including, even the capsule. So it's, including so it's the capsule, com- that's great. <laughs> yeah, so it's a complete complete rookie flight. Yeah. it was named Endurance. Which is a, which I have to say is a little bit boring. It's a, yeah. I can't help feeling that spacecraft have been called Endurance before. Yeah. It's very American. It's it's very American name Endurance. But like I mean, you know, it's it's a, it, they could have called it Rookie, and everyone would have went, yeah, that's great. That that's a really good idea. Yeah, the Rookie Endurance the rookie, just but... doesn't seem to. It, it doesn't say anything about the mission for me. No, it's apparently a nod to the Endurance that everyone had building it through the pandemic. Oh, blah blah blah, <laughs> and, and a nod and a nod to Shack- Shackleton's ship endurance. Well, okay, well, which one? Which one is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit. I think that's a little bit disappointing. I do like M- Matthias Mara's uh, European name of the mission is Cosmic Kiss. Mwah. Beautiful. It is a good. It's a good name. There's something very cute about it. Yeah. Um. Although you know. I suspect as a teenager you had a cosmic kiss, didn't you? Oh, I had a few, yeah. In some, in, in, <laughs> in, in some Liverpool nightclub. <laughs> God, that was cosmic. <laughs> Let's do it again. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so, yes, that that that's it. That's that's the uh, that's the interplanetary podcast this week. Uh, have you got any? Have you got up to anything this um, week? Well, I've just had, I did have a story. There's a there's a so the Americans are obviously keeping an eye on what China's doing, as as always. Um, and so China's uh, Xi'an 21 debris mitigation satellite has got another object orbiting alongside it, and we don't know what oh, it yeah. is. So oh, I yeah, like that. that. Yeah. I like that little bit of news. But other than that, you know, I'm just just keeping busy. I'm off to London. Going to be um, I'm going to be Major Tom tomorrow, so I don't do that as often anymore. So I'm quite fun be- pretending to be a astronaut trainer <laughs> for the day with some <laughs> primary school children. 
Um, so yeah, it's nice to be primed by a bit of space news actually, because I can re- reel some of that off tomorrow and say that I thought of it. Oh yeah, and you could you could even play them a little snippet of Matthias Maurer on the Interplanetary Podcast and say I do this podcast and here's here's a uh, here's, here's someone going to space this week. Yeah, I might do that. And you know what? Also, just like recruit new listeners for the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. Exactly. It's what about you? It. I love it. Um, I should just be working. Uh, what, am I doing anything? I'm not really doing anything exciting this week, I have to say. I'm just getting my head down, recording a few Queen, getting back into recording a few Queen covers to catch up on my other podcast. Awesome. The Recovering Queen podcast. But um, yes, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, just back at it, Chris. As well, you know, doing I a lot do. of a uh, lot, lot of music stuff. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, I'm definitely going to read more about the uh, the Astro 2020 because I think it's if you get your head around that, you can kind of see how space is going to shape up for the next ten or twenty years. Mm. I love it. Sweet, yeah, I like that. I was speaking of like a number of ages ago. I, uh, I said I was going to do a movie podcast, and I kind of did a pilot, and it never quite got off the ground. And blah blah blah. Anyway, I found a new home for it, and I'm going to be uh, rolling that out in the next few weeks. It's going to be actually a radio show. So, oh um, wow, okay. yeah, I was like really, really excited about. It. I haven't got dates and everything yet, but next time I'm on, I'll probably know more about it. Oh yeah, well definitely that's nice. Definitely Sweet. Nice I think we should let this podcast go now. Okay, yeah, let's let them go. Bye, 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 bye,